Welcome everyone to the Precision Unloaded podcast, episode 19. Not our last episode, <coughs> as I've been claiming the last two episodes. Uh, with me tonight are Graham, as usual. Graham, how are you? I'm good, Mark. Thank you for having me once again. And uh, our first repeat guest, uh, Jeff from the Gun Rack. Jeff, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me back. That's alright, it's good. Uh, <coughs> this Tonight's episode is brought to you by... Hour? Well, it's not actually, because <coughs> our episodes are brought to us by no one, but anyway. <coughs> we are going to talk about them later, no, so... No, th- this episode is brought to us by the gun rack. True, there you go. true. Because well, he, like he won't yeah, sue yeah. us. He yeah. won't sue us. No, that's yeah. true, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. He likes and shooting I'm, us, I'm wearing a, a Howler hat, so it right. works. Well, oh, the... <coughs> we've got Jeff along tonight, because we're going to talk about a bit of a winter, a bit of winter hunting that's been going on, so that's coming up. Um, and Graham out there doing it with the 303 um we'll be following up that and also we are going to talk about mini action calibers so um that's probably our main section tonight and um it's quite an interesting bit of a rabbit hole to go down and see what's out and coming out in them potentially down the track so yeah and, and how they sort of yeah fit in uh, with a, a post ban uh, new zealand shooting sort yeah of thing. So anyway, uh, I guess first up we'll start with what's been happening in shooting, so basically just what each person's been up to in the last week or so, two weeks, um, excluding the hunt, which we'll talk about after this, but um, I've just set up Alex's um, 6.5 Grendel, so threw a SIG BDX scope on it, so that's basically the only major bit of shooting I've been doing, sighted that in, and... Um, was my, part of my experiment to work out if I could enter the holdovers for different targets because those BDX scopes allow you to have up to the version 2 ones anyway 10 different holdover points in the scope so illuminated lights basically for 200 meters 300 meters whatever you like so and as you know at the hut we're at our <coughs> we've got some targets set up we've got one at 260 out to 500 there's one at 460 450 so I got it sighted in and then loaded in all the um, those four different targets out from where we shoot test, test shoot stuff and voila it worked it basically just hit the range finder and it sends it through from the phone to the scope and you have the four holdover dots below your 100 meter zero for the different target ranges and basically so this is this is the new BDX the newest latest it's the newest one the old ones do it too but yeah the new, the version two scopes um, a six power, six magnification, so you know it's a two to twelve. Yep. Better glass, appreciably better glass, less obvious um, electronic lines and that in the scope. Yep. Um, where the other one has, so yeah, <clears throat> better low light so far anyway. And um, this is a quite a little scope, so it's it's ideal for a, for this um, Howard Mini Action Six Five Grendel that. I've set up for Alex, so yeah. So she shot it and likes it, and um, it's pretty comfortable to shoot. Had a bit of a problem with the mag release, which is a, <laughs> a howler thing. Well known. Mm, yeah. Um, but if, yeah. If you're a smaller shooter, I think it's more obvious. More because she was hitting it with her front hand, you know, um, yeah. pulling back, and was clip dropping it all the time. So anyway, that. <clears throat> so that's basically been in my um, mission in the last week, anyway. So. And that's gone quite well, so we're happy with it. Getting ammo so, is a bit of an issue, but 
got a couple of packets to start with. So, so the idea being that it's a new shooter, as in your your lovely wife, and you can preset determined ranges for her to save her having to um, yep. try and figure it out between each each target. So she can just work her way out. She's got a yeah. A, she can just enter exact it in, hold. She can yeah. enter it into the phone, hit the range finder, and it sends it on to the scope. So yep. before a stage, potentially you could do that. And it would yeah. put in the, the dots for each, um, for, so if it's 180 meter target and a 290 meter target, you know, typical hunter class distances, yeah. and away you go. It's, it's limited to about 700 meters, so. It, yeah. Which is. Mm, that's plenty, though. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and, and I guess if, even if you're not using it for that super exact uh, ranging and holdover, you could set it up as a you know, pretty precise BDC, essentially, for whatever gun you put it on. Absolutely, that's the other thing, is just going 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, whatever, even in between, it's got enough dots for that, but yep. it gets a bit, um, yeah, the, the, the LED dots are finer on the scope too, versus the old ones, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Other than, you know, that <coughs> it certainly wasn't cheap, but um, I think I'm, yeah, the second go they've had it, I think, is a, is a market improvement over the first generation of scopes, so, yeah. The modern day BDC, eh? I like it. Yeah, and it's still got the level plex stuff in it as well. Yeah, so it, yeah. if you tilt it, it shows up a light signal. I mean, for the for the for the sort of um, shooter who's brand new to it, like your wife, um, I think. It, yeah. You to, to start off with, especially, it could be could be a quite a <clears throat> a good thing to keep her interested and not overwhelm her with the. Um, yeah, my caveat is that the technology isn't that seamless and you can have if you've got multiple a couple of scopes you've got to make sure you've got your right data synced and you connect the right rangefinder to the right scope otherwise you've got nothing happening and I can see why they've had problems with some users who aren't technically technologically uh, aware mm-hmm. having problems even getting them set up properly so it, it, it's not bad it's just um, I can imagine if you were you know not that internet savvy you would be having a few problems getting it working properly just between yeah. the, your profile and the settings and the bonding of the scope and yeah it's all the electronic connection so can yeah. you can you run it um, with a default setting so every time you pick it up and turn it on it's on that setting so say for example the super simple BDC we are talking about before so yep. if Alex wanted to go shooting without you didn't want to enter all the data and use a range finder etc she could just pick it up and go yeah it'll just stick to the last setting you set it on so you basically just choose to use um, holdovers or whatever and you can even yeah <coughs> and then just once you've sent that through you don't even need the range finder anymore you just way you go so yeah yeah you could use it like that yep cool I could see it being handy to even like you say if you're uh, glassing an area at say 400 meters and you had several reference points on it you could set BDCs for each reference point where you think a deer or whatever could come out and um yeah, and that's true you, too. Say if you don't have time to, to do it later. No, no, when I'm shooting goats, I'll often range up a hill where I know they're going to go. Yeah. And so you could actually do that. That's to change yeah. a couple of different distances. Yeah. Especially if you're low on time, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the traditional use of those scopes um, is just ranging it and it puts a dot, you know, one single. That's That was how they originally came out. And they've kept adding to the functionality, but it's basically just range it and it puts a dot in, one dot in the scope. It has mm-hmm. windage as well, but. I don't really use that. It puts a dot on the horizontal for wind. 
Oh, so you can enter in your wind speed yeah. and direction into yeah. your yeah. your ballistic computer, and it'll it'll give you a hull point. Oh, yeah, yeah that's neat. Yeah, but yeah. it's not. Yeah, it's not there. It's like you've got to count, you know, work it out because it's not. Yeah. it's just on the one plate on the the crossbar, I suppose. Whatever. Oh, okay. It doesn't move it down to no, your. Um, it doesn't move the actual dot across for their final yeah. solution, I suppose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, don't choice. call it that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway <laughs> we can edit that out later we won't righto anyway um, on to you Graham what were you up to uh, excluding my hunting trip um, yeah. I've just been doing a bit of um, it's a bit of practice here and there but a little bit with the 6.5 Creedmoor um, and then also I, I did a bunch of practice well not a bunch like half a dozen rounds with the 303 before we head off on that uh, the trip we'll talk about soon um, just to, to check that uh, you know my 100 and 200 meter um, uh, was was good and so that'll work out fine and then just yeah mostly just um, positional practice with um, the 6.5 Creedmoor uh, I've got a competition end in next month and um, I just sort of want to go with a bit of bit of an idea on what I'm doing is the idea but yeah other than that it's again working long longer hours at the moment and um so a bit more reloading a little bit less shooting well that's good getting closer to our bulk reload are you uh no i'm struggling to get the press i want and ah. pay for it all and <laughs> normal well, stuff i gave you all those shotgun presses <laughs> yeah i don't think we can like six five creed more on them True. Um, yeah, I, I need to invest Sorry. a couple grand there to get that running how I want it. I think. So, um, yeah, take out a second mortgage and get a zero press. Ooh, tell me more. That, well, that's not progressive, but I can see why I'd want to do that. Yes. Yeah. It could. I could ring you up a linkage and make it progressive, <laughs> which might detract from the zero tolerances and all of that. But hey. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I get my reloading gear gets too good, I'll have next to no excuses on why I can't hit anything. Was it a flash silver one I saw the other day, Jeff? Is that what the one you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, are, uh, Area 419's um, oh, latest offering. Right. Incredible awesome. bit of machinery. Yeah. Um, no excuse yeah. to miss then. No. No. Must have been spindrift. Anyway, so what are you, Jeffrey, how much shooting have you done living in Auckland? Apart from, um, apart from hunting, apart from hunting, bugger all. Uh, no, you had a twenty twenty two shoot. No. Yeah, uh, yeah, twenty two shoot indoors. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that was last weekend. <laughs> um, That's right. See the effect of lead indoors on you. you just yeah, exactly. Here we go. It's been a freaking long day. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was cool. Um, Jordan, who a lot of people would have met at Tokoroa if they've been shooting the kind of Gillis and TLRS um, series of events, uh, Jordan decided to put on a shoot that was kind of blending that and blending the sporting small ball uh, positional stuff, um, trying to adapt it to a 25 meter fixed distance, fixed target location, indoor range, um, which I think he did really quite well with. Um, so there were four prop-driven stages, four positional stages. Um, there was some odd math because he wasn't able to get his reactive targets done in time. He was still like kind of trialing or making them. So he had paper targets, and you're only allowed to do five shots per target. And then it might be like three shots per position. 
and then when do you do a mag change and, and what have you. So you're doing a, a bit, bit of calculating that you wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, that added the mental challenge that you would usually have with dialing in wind and stuff. So yeah. kind of compensated for that a bit. But yeah, overall, it was really good. Um, I really enjoyed it. And uh, it's a few familiar faces. You took the W too, didn't you? You won it. Yeah, I was stoked to that. Um, nice. <laughs> it, was, it was weird. Matt and I had, I mean, it was a horrendous day weather-wise, so a few people pulled out. And I said, there was like four positions upstairs, four positions downstairs. Um, and Matt and I, essentially for both halves of the day, had the entire range to ourselves. So we could have been like doing all sorts of reshooting and um, generous scoring, um, unbeknownst to nice. everyone, but we didn't. Um, in fact, we even handicapped ourselves on three stages because... I entered 130 seconds on my phone as one minute 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, so, so, so we we did ourselves out of 40 seconds for three stages in a row. One of which I cleaned. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, and I, was, I was happy to win dis, despite my foolery. Well, who would write yeah. down 130 seconds? I can see how you do that, mate. That mistake. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was on the restrictions, was it? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, aside from that, what have I done? Um, still building the two two three. Oh um, yes, yes. And even even being a person who sells guns and gun parts, I can't get a friggin' Howard short action rail. Um, so, so, so didn't um, Mark just take your last one? No, no, it's mini action. It's a mini. Oh, short action. Yeah. I yeah. one. I'll have a look if I have one. I might have one. Oh, that'd be handy. Otherwise, I've yeah. got my my Burris, um signature rings, yeah. So I could use that, and because yeah. the scope I want to use doesn't have a zero stop, don't yell at me, Graham. Um, oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> that that could um, I could basically measure them on the bottom zero by taking up all the cant. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that one's coming along nicely. Aside from that, I've been working on my gun room. I've um, I don't have enough storage, and. Mm-hmm. I'm improving my security by basically building a shelf on the outside of my door so you can't mm-hmm. find my gun room. Oh, nice. Yeah. You could super, change super your company, story. you could change the name from the gun rack to the gun room. I actually know my friend already owns that. It's business. Don't don't worry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he does. This is not as as big big time as you. Um, no, that sounds cool. The um, oh, the 2 to 3 things, um, again, it's a topic for tonight. And... Um, the two to three you and I shoot aren't actually a mini action, but it's a mini action cut. Mm. But um, hopefully we're going to do an event sometime this year, um, tailored around two two three, only two two three. Um, what about five five six? No. no. <laughs> what What were some of the questions I got? What about twenty two two fifty? Yeah, go for your life. Two oh four. What about twenty two Creedmoor? <laughs> oh my fucking god! Anyway. Um, Oh, so it sounds like you've uh, that twenty-two shoot. <clears throat> touch on that quickly. Um, hmm. Again, for us, it's not something that had happened here, but, but we don't have the, the limitations on areas to shoot like you do up in the big smoke. So, I, I see it as a good way of actually getting practice and getting better and, and enjoying shooting with your friends. I, I think it's quite a, a good idea. Um, yeah, absolutely. For what and for, the if it brings. Are, uh, yeah brings more people into the sport and exposes them to it and gives yeah like i said gives people an opportunity to practice um 
you know, we're chatting with uh, Simon on, on Facebook or commenting back and forth, and you know, one of the things that came up was, you know, we just don't have the club level matches that yeah. kind of support the regional level matches. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no one does, do we? It's the whole whole issue, like you say. So it's, um, yeah, I'm surprised more, um, say, pistol clubs haven't picked up on the uh, Precision 22 stuff, to be honest. I, to the point I even thought about going and talking to them and seeing if they wanted me to do something, but then I thought, no, I won't do that. Yeah, because anyway, <laughs> um, I can't. I got my stuff on. But um, what about limited gong shoot? How do you mean? Well, just have a capped number of people, and use fixed targets like the setup up up top, <coughs> and just let them practice. Yeah. Could, do. Yeah. Could do. Could do. How many would be a fixed number though? You I'll just make it with um, a few walls. Send it up. No, the thing is, it'd be <coughs> the targets already out, so. If you do it from the right spot, <coughs> yeah, true, true. So no, no, yeah, it's it's trying to do something a bit more. Club yeah, I, social, I guess the, anyway. the the also the thing is we uh, you can't be expected for us and, and the few people who do events to cater for every single need in the, no, no, the firearms no. community. Just yeah. throwing our ideas out there. <laughs> well, but yeah, right. but you know, the gong shoot. I still get a lot of requests for gong shoots. I just, I just don't have the interest in doing them. Unfortunately, it's um, a lot of work. Um, whereas I'd rather put that effort into a competition. Um, there personally. you go, Jeff. You become the gong rack. <laughs> the gong rack. <laughs> uh, that sounds like something different entirely. But, it, do, um, it does actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google it. Well, uh, don't, don't. Just go into incognito mode first. No, it's just on normal. Anyway, so the, that's a, enough ba- basic rambling about yeah. um, why I don't do gong shoots anymore. Right, I. Oh, no, I literally just brought up how to build gong stands for 22. <laughs> On to um, our July hunt to the Ruhinis. So this was, um, I had a ballot, a last second chance one for access to the Ruhini hut through No Man's <coughs> Road. So other side, Hawke's Bay side of the Ruhinis. And it's a place where you can drive right up to the top of the top of the range, so um, it's quite a rough track. Uh, so I invited Jeff along and a couple of other friends of mine um, who had booked in last year but couldn't go because of COVID. So, but when I heard it was July, I was like, um, "Yeah, don't know how cold that's going to be." So, because normally we've always been at the end of March to the end of April, maybe early May, as most of the ballots we've done up there. So, you know, during the raw, basically. Um, occasional, well, the guys did one in the summer, one year, a December or January one. Um, the ballots are basically available there in, yeah, August, September, October. It's shut for lambing, basically. So the rest of the year, you can get a ballot. Anyway, it's run by dock, and um, we go through the dock land and onto a couple of private blocks that we rent huts that are there um one's being no man's hut and the other one is what we call white hut which is a we'll talk about that later but anyway um so <coughs> so jeff uh, came down from up north and uh, the other three of us came out from taranaki on a friday was it? yeah so and headed up i looked at the mountain forecast and talked to as many people as i could over there about what it's going to be like and the main thing I saw was that the freezing levels were down to 1,200 metres and um, the top hut up there is about 1,330 or 1,340 metres up. So 
I knew it would be a bit cold. So anyway, off we went. We drove up there, got through the gate a bit earlier than usual so we could get up in the daylight. Um, the Ruahini hut's lower down, so as a reserve we were going to camp there if it was looking too iffy going up further because you could see snow up there. So, But we carried on. Um, we had the ute and a side-by-side -side for a backup vehicle. So, And uh, off we went. And we hit snow probably at about, yeah, just under 1,200 metres up. And it had only been a sort of fresh dusting, wasn't it, Jeff? Um, yeah. It had probably snowed that day before that day, so it was quite powdery. Anyway, so <clears throat> we got to No Man's Hut, which is about a K and a half short of the other hut, and basically parked the ute there and uh, proceeded to shuttle our gear on further because the track gets a bit iffy between those two huts for a ute so I wasn't prepared friends of mine a few years ago got stuck there for three days digging their ute out um, so I wasn't that keen on doing that in July so but yeah it was uh, pretty much snowing and mm, down to zero degrees by the time we got up to the hut about five o'clock wasn't it Jeff? Yeah uh, getting dark pretty quickly. Yeah so um we're obviously always well prepared, we've been before, so gas bottles and bring your own firewood and that, it's got a good log burner. The hut itself is made of freezer panels, exceptionally well built hut for the conditions. So once you got the fire going, she was pretty crispy warm. Yeah, I was really impressed. Yeah, it was back in the heyday, it was um, it had a chiller and an infinity gas system and a generator room, so it was probably the, and you know, completely set up for electric lighting and gas lighting um, but not, not a lot of that doesn't go anymore so but it's still an exceptionally um, secure hut in terms of you know um, keeping the weather elements out anyway so because we pretty quickly realized it was wasn't going to get above zero degrees at that hut so I think for most of the time we're there it barely got over maybe one degree and I think I measured it was minus one at four o'clock in the afternoon on the second day so yeah. Um, so I was quite intrigued. I've hunted up there a bit, but never in the snow like that. So, what's your sort of thoughts, Jeff, on getting up there and seeing all that? Uh, honestly, it was, the whole thing for me was a brand new experience, and I didn't have um, probably the most appropriate gear for it. But like, I could stretch my wet weather gear into that role and pick up some gloves and some bits and pieces here and there. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I actually wasn't expecting as nice a accommodation and as warm an accommodation, so that was a pleasant surprise. Um, but yeah, just being up there in the weather, and I mean, the drive up was incredible. Um, and yeah, just different experiences, like digging a toilet in the snow because the rainwater's frozen in the spigot, you know. Stuff that you wouldn't normally encounter on a, on a normal North Island, Upper North Island hunt. Yes, that's true. We had uh, <clears throat> the main tank at the hut was frozen, so luckily I had a little gas uh, blowtorch, which I managed to heat up the taps and without melting the tank and getting some water flowing again. Because the toilet there used to be plumbed in, but now it's not, so you need to flush it with a bucket basically. So otherwise, uh, and then eventually the toilet froze up anyway. So <laughs> Because it's sort of in a... Um, it's like an enclosed deck, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort of 
open to the elements slightly, so it's um, totally cold. She's a cold experience going out to use that. So no, um, I sort of thought the snow might melt a bit, but it didn't happen, so we had a bit more snow and a bit more. And when you're at that altitude up there, it's either you can see a lot or you can see nothing, basically. So visibility can be nothing quite often. So I think we didn't get out, so we got very good at cards. Uh, and a few few beverages um, until mid after midday on the second day oh yeah the next day after we got in so yeah so maybe just before two o'clock I think we actually got yeah, out the visibility opened up and we could go for a walk so and off we went um, and it was just uh, yeah a bit of an eye open to see what would be up there I thought you'd be pretty mental dear to be up at that altitude and that sort of weather you know, I'd be much rather be lower down but we saw tracks and um, the other two guys saw sign as well, so they were certainly up there. We didn't get anything on the first day. I think we walked about 10 k's down the road direction and back again, so a um, bit of a hike. And walking in the snow is no fun. Easy to see tracks though, that certainly mm. makes a big difference. Um, so yeah, it was, um, I think the end of that day, we were looking at the forecast the whole time because we knew if we got a, if it significantly came in snow-wise, we might be in a bit of trouble getting out. So we had plenty of supplies and things, so it wasn't an issue. Um, just gets a bit frustrating if you get stuck up there. So um, day two was Sunday, and we just had pretty good weather the whole day. So your visibility was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we were up. Pretty much as soon as we got up. Yeah. And most of the day it probably stayed fine. So I've done other trips where it's just blowing the whole time and we've ended up going home because it's just the wind is constant and um, the wind chills just not flash even when it's May or something. So, But, uh, and then uh, the two other lads, Dino and Yags, they got a six point stag on the afternoon of the second day. What was that, eight? Eight. Yeah. Eight point. Nice. Look at it. Um, and he was right at the top. <clears throat> so basically what I consider, go past the hut, out towards um, what we call Massacre Ridge or Slaughter Ridge. Anyway, um, <laughs> and he was just over the side there, and they got him here, yeah, basically one shot, and then the other guy followed up with a second shot to make sure. So, so they come back pretty chuffed, which put the pressure on us, and... Um, so well, we had a plan for the next day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we uh, we buggered off and saw one just on dark, but I didn't made a mistake and couldn't get it set up quick enough for a shot. He was right on the edge, and he was also, you know, basically not far from where we were and up in the top as well. So, but you know, I, I must say there's plenty of deer there. We the last time I went in was in April. And um, between four of us, we got six deer, no problem. And basically, we'd filled the chiller up and basically stopped shooting, basically. So there's plenty of... That was probably the best weather I've been up there in terms of dry conditions and feed-wise. So I think that, that helped. And maybe being shut last year helped too, I don't know. But, um, yeah. Jeff, uh, how did you find... You went for a couple of other hunts by yourself and had a good look around so the terrain and country 
Yeah, it was uh, yeah completely different terrain to to what I've ever hunted in. It's kind of if you imagine what it looks like out your window when you're driving down the desert road. Yeah, um, it looks like that um, with you know a generous sprinkling of snow all over it. Um, walking through the tussocks uh, and the snow, you're like you are not stalking anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you've got to have a, a bit of a line of sight. I think. Um, I mean, this is all postulating. Obviously, I didn't um, fire a shot, but um, neither did I. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's uh, yeah, like I said, completely different experience, and I would do it again. And even even uh, even if I knew. I had a less than fifty percent chance of, of shooting a deer. I'd still go. Um, yeah, great fun. No, that's true. And I guess I'm, I was a bit more um, nervous about things. I was concerned about getting out. So being the person with the ballot and the vehicles. So um, the old side by side did a pretty good job of getting my gear up and down the last part anyway. So even though it froze up a bit, it took a bit to get it moving back and forwards in the morning. But the engine was fine. So, um, and I got, I got valeted up and down the road. Um, <laughs> that was great. Yeah, I thought I'd stick to the road. It's a bit quieter for stalking than trying to cross over some of those tussock parts for ages. And I just didn't know what you'd see. So, it, um, if we could, we were basically could have had an extra couple of days, but we knew the the following the Tuesday forecast was not good. So, we thought it was probably best to get out on the Monday which we did. Yeah, well, Monday was packing in pretty quick. Yeah, well, the other thing is we got up Monday morning and uh, visibility was nil, so... Um, and it had snowed again and was still snowing, so... Yeah, snow was even lower than when we came up. And that was... Yeah, it had snowed down to the Ruahini hut, basically, which is way down from what we used to up there, so... Um, and it wasn't... Yeah, it sort of... <clears throat> it was just light because <clears throat> I went to Napier that day and it was light light rain which you could see not a lot of wind just and up there it's just yeah basically light sleety snow slowly building up so yeah um, in terms of um, what did you take firearm wise Jeff the um, I took my Tika 6.5 Swede um, it's pretty much the first proper hunting rifle I've bought and it's just runs so damn well I haven't had a chance to properly replace it with anything else um, and it's full over barrel suppressor isn't it yeah and and that's indicative of the of the time of which I bought it because I don't know it seemed to be a bit of a thing um, and it was being run out and I was like oh man what a deal um, but yeah full over barrel stainless steel suppressor is a bit heavy um, <laughs> not, not the best for carrying a lot. Sounds cool, um, though. It, must it sounds be. super cool. It does sound so, good. Sounds like a movie sniper gun. Yeah. <clears throat> if there is such a thing. Yeah. Um, but no, it's. I mean, I'm I'm pretty impressed with um, the ballistics of it anyway, because it's cut down to like 19 inches or something. Yeah. It's still sending 140 grain ELDM or AMAX or whatever I can find at about 2740. Yeah. So. Yeah, not doing too bad. That's not too bad. No, I took my, my new 270, so the Benelli, um, which performed well in the snow with its basic Cerakote-type coating, so no rust to speak of. So other than that, <coughs> I never got to fire anything out of it, so just took it for a walk, basically. Um, and that had my older BDX scope on it, 
as we never got really many opportunities to see stuff. Um, it certainly wasn't well, normally up there. You can you can basically scope out terrain up to a k away at least, but certainly weather wasn't really conducive to it. So anyway, that was um, July hunting up there. So yeah, I, I'd do it again, but I'd just um, <laughs> give everyone a really clear. Do you really want to do it? Do you really want to do it? Because <laughs> but as long as you're prepared clothing-wise, it's fine. So, you know, getting out there, it's good. Yeah, and, and just don't forget a pack of cards and yeah. a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, um, would you take anything different, Jeff? I mean, Mark, you've been up there half a hundred times, but Jeff, would you take any different gear for the cold weather or uh, a different um, firearm per se if you had a different <coughs> one or something? No, I, I, I was pretty happy with what I packed, actually. Um, in terms of firearm, um, I've, I've I've shot fallow deer uh, quite a way with that. I've not shot a red yet, um, but I'd certainly be comfortable at the ranges I would expect to see, especially in that kind of visibility and not being able to stalk in close. Yep. Um, in terms of gear, uh, main thing for me was layers. So uh, things I did buy, I bought some... Uh, long thermal um, undies Um, I got the hunter's element um, base layer so if you've seen me at a shoot I've usually got the hunter's element core base layer Um, they do a core plus which is rated for lower temperatures actually awesome really enjoyed that Um, and a puffer jacket I I remember you saying Graham puffer jacket changed your life so I thought I'd give it a go and yeah 100% would would recommend um and some good gloves um and i did have again i think you've got these same gloves they're the uh ridgeline gloves the ones that uh, they're mitts that fold open and you can mm-hmm. use yeah, your fingers yeah. um so that was really good as i had to i ended up wearing a full glove on my one hand and that glove on my right hand so i could manipulate my rifle or get stuff out of my bag or whatever um while still keeping warm the rest of the time um yeah other than that like make sure you have kind of plenty of battery packs and stuff for headlamps and devices and cell phones and whatever gps and that kind of stuff but yeah and i was pretty happy with with what i took oh and i was really impressed with the ridgeline boots that i wore so i've recently replaced them i'd worn them once before so I was worried about getting like severe blisters and you know how waterproof were they going to be. But actually, they stood up, um, stood up to the job really well, considering the tough elements we put them through. Nice, nice. Oh, that's good. What about you, Mark? Any changes for you? No, I've sort of peered back what I take over the years. I end up, um, unfortunately, for other people on the hunt, not changing clothes a lot because you basically just dry out what you're in. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> The best thing's been the electric chainsaw with two batteries. It's great for doing a firewood mission. You but take that thing. You take that thing to town if you could, wouldn't you? You take it everywhere. Just got to make sure you don't get, it get too cold, so you have to keep it in the hut. <coughs> um, otherwise, yeah. Yeah. the old lithium-ion batteries don't like it being frozen. So no, they don't at all. But uh, uh, yeah, <coughs> I used to take a full deep cycle battery and an inverter for extra power for people to recharge stuff but it's sort of a bit too much weight I've sort of canned it but um, no gear wise I mean I end up wearing um, those what are they sort of um, neoprene thermal 
gumboots most of the time, so which keep your super oh, yes. dry yes. ears. I was mm. quite I was jealous of those when we were in the Wairu. Quite tight fitting. Oh, they look pretty agricultural, but they do the job. So Actually, I wouldn't mind getting a pair of those. Like Getting in and out of the hut without lacing up your boots every time, that'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, I've found on other any time I've been up there, you basically need two pairs of boots of some sort because once one pair's wet, you pretty much got to try and dry it out or she's pretty freaking freezing getting into them the next morning so um so it pays to have a backup anyway <clears throat> especially if the, there's a bit of moisture around in the tussock you, it's always going to get you're never going to keep dry feet really and you know yes completely so so what i'm getting from this um this chat is our shooting podcast you went on a hunt and didn't do any shooting yes yes mm-hmm. oh. Yeah. oh nice that oh, happens it happens you no rocks or anything you can shoot across the gully. I've been on plenty of hunts where I haven't fired a shot, so it doesn't bother me. No, that's fine. That's fine. It's, it's about a the, shame. It's about the journey, but... not the triumph. <laughs> no, you, you're right though. I uh, the adventure is always the uh, fun part of the hunt for me, rather than yeah. hey, I can't talk. My last two deer hunts before muddy waters were complete washouts, so. and I've seen big deer both times. <laughs> um, anyway. The second time um, I went up there, I towed the tandem trailer up, and I'll never do that again. That was a bloody nightmare. We got there, but jeepers, God. It's the, the road's got worse <laughs> over the years. It's not really maintained, so yeah. she's a bit narrow in places. <coughs> and uh, I think I ripped a mud flap off and smoked the side of the trailer. But yeah. anyway, that's why you need a, some yeah. sort of backup vehicle to get down. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, that's July hunting. Alright, so... And, uh, Graham... Oh, actually, I did... Sorry. Yes. I did take another gun. Yeah. Um, because I thought, hey, if I get something early in the hunt, if we just have, like, fantastic luck, I'm going to carry my three hundred three. Oh, boy, that would have been wicked. That would have been... And I was like, oh, Graham would be so jealous if I got a nice big stag with my three hundred (laughs) three. Which segues into Graham's trip. I would be jealous... But also happy for you. Yes. But yeah. still jealous. <laughs> okay, okay. So <laughs> speaking of jealous. always jealous. Always um jealous. speaking of three well Jeff's I've got all these goals and Jeff keep beating them to me by about a year when it comes to old guns. Now so yes, you while well, you guys were um home recovering from the cold, I got the uh, invite from Hamish at Muddy Waters Hunting down in Wanganui. North north side of Wanganui. Um he manages a um game park a hunting safari type deal uh, it's a large um, sheep beef farm with a, a lot of scrub and manuka around and they've got a rather impressive herd or herds of fallow deer running around and um, now this is this is a managed property so they um, they cull certain animals and, and, and they try to keep the, um, the populations from around other farms out to keep their herd in, in good nick because they sell um, big heads uh, big, big Set, uh, big fuck heads in that. Yeah. But anyways, um, so I got the invite. Um, uh, Hamish had a day off, and he wanted to do a bit of hunting, and he, he asked me if I wanted to come and bring down a three hundred three, and uh, try and uh, uh, take a take a deer with the classic, um, you know, the original Kiwi hunting rifle, as some would say. Um, so I um, <laughs> I eagerly accepted the offer, and. Uh, so we've had some wild weather lately here in, um, well, the whole of the country, but 
we went down last Sunday, being the 18th of, of, um, of this month, and it was raining on and off, and um, it was pretty wet down there, but um, again, the, the goal to shoot a, uh, shoot a, shoot a, a yearling or a, or a, um, a cow, some, some sort of cow deer, um, and, and, and then the, the offside, the other side of it was to make a bit of a video and then do some promotional stuff for money water hunting so they can get more a bit more business. So um we <laughs> we went there loaded up and um Hamish he's also got a number four which is uh for those of you uh, who aren't nerds on this stuff that's the sort of second world war era three oh three um much nicer sites. Um I, I was running a um an SML, SMLE a number one mark three remember um so Again, the one I was using was um, made in 1912, um, First World War, all original, matching numbers, really, really nice gun. <clears throat> and it still shot uh, really well, that being a key with 303, it wasn't completely worn out. Um, so we, dro we, we drove off down the track and we, down the first little hill and there's a mob of about 20 deer sitting, <laughs> sitting right next to the track. So we, we left them, because there was a few cull deer in there, so ones they want uh, taken out, right? And that was a bit easy, um, which is not something I got often pass up on. But uh, we, we headed over the, the back of the property, parked up the uh, side side and started walking. And um, all of four minutes into the uh, the adventure, these, um, <coughs> Hamish and I were walking down the track. Um, uh, a stag jumped up from next to the track. Um, and I, I quickly noticed... And he took off a bit. I quickly noticed that he was injured or, or something along those lines, and I, I said, "Oh, Hamish, the stag." And I, normally, stags are off limits, right? When we're sort of hunting, uh, being that I'm, I'm not, I wasn't paying to be there. I'm not paying to shoot stags or things. They're off limits. But he's, I said it's injured, and it was it was in pretty poor nick. So um, he soon seen it and said, "No, no, that needs to be culled out. There's something majorly wrong with it." So it tore off into the scrub. I buggered off down the hill, followed it, and eventually. It ran out with a couple more stags, a couple big, impressive um, trophy stags, bucks. Sorry, thorn bucks. If that was and um, yeah, and then it, it ran across the field and um, it uh, sort of maybe about 70, 80 meters, and it, it um, yelled out. It, it paused, and so I um, quickly knelt down and um, lobbed a three, a three through a side of it, and that was all she wrote. It was um, yeah, I was, I was all of a couple you know, 10 minutes into the hunt and I already had a stag on the deck. Um, and on further investigation, he'd actually, um, uh, we thought it may have been a injury from the rut, as in fighting with other stags, but what it was, he'd broken his, uh, um, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, upper leg between the, the shoulder and the knee. Um, and what we actually suspect was a bullet wound. Um, that had broken the, the bone and it was had healed over, um, not in a line sort of thing. So yeah, it was, he was he was buggered essentially. He would he would have died um, the next sort of cold snap we got. So so <coughs> it's Graham returns to shoot deer he injured last time. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> the one I shot over the fence. <laughs> no, so that's what they think. They they say they they get a few issues with the neighbouring properties um, taking pot shots at um, at the nice deer um, from across the boundary, which is a problem all over the country um, but more so that these are um, uh, worth quite a bit and this the stag is only three years old they from what they tell me oh, I'm definitely no expert in fellow deer um, 
hence why I keep calling them stags instead of bucks, um, would have grown into quite an impressive trophy. And the, um, but due to his um, uh, injury, um, they let me blast him. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, and, and to be honest, it was good. This thing was he was he was um, yeah. We we shot a a yearling like a spiker later on. Yeah. And he he had twice as much body mass as this three year old stag did. Um, yeah. Just from, <laughs> yeah, like he he was dog tucker. He wasn't. Um, yeah, and, and just for people to get upset to, about it, like he. If you're offering sausages <laughs> or anything, Graham, I'm not taking it. So. <laughs> well, yeah, like this guy, he was uh, he was heavily he 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 was pretty bad condition. Oh, uh, put him into sausages, he'd be fine. <laughs> oh, definitely, people would. Um, yeah, so so we we knocked him over pretty quickly. Um, there was actually footage of me shooting him, like it's um, which will come out in a week or two or three. Um, that's all getting edited up um, by some Hamish's guys. Um, and then, yeah, we buggered around, and then we actually went, Hamish, I said, hey, do you want to shoot a deer with this, um, this SMLE, you know, this, um, uh, rather than your number four, because he planned on shooting another one with his number four, so, again, a, a newer three three, and so he, he was pretty keen, so we went back to the original mob we'd seen, not far from the woolshed, and there was a, um, a, a, a cull fawn in there, that they wanted culled out, due to its, um, reasons and um yeah he smacked that thing over it. and then um which i ended up taking that deer home which was quite nice of them because mine was a bit uh uneatable so and then yeah and also um chris from man over two hunting hunter man over two hunter on instagram he was there and so at the end of the day he shot a really really nice spiker um at like bang on 200 meters um perfect shot straight through the shoulder um awesome and um so yeah good day we shot three animals and um it was really good to tick off that uh that 303 um uh, sort of you know getting a deal with the three i want to do it for a long time and now this block is easy to hunt on right i've got a hunting guide who's like knows exactly where the deer are how they move around the hills like he's a professional right it's his job um so one day i'll, I'll get one in the on dock land or red or something but but that's a, a future goal but um it was pretty cool to use like even so that 70 80 meter shot with say my 260 my Tika would have been easy even while he's you know buggering off nice scope super clear glass um but i had to use like, iron sights in the rain you know compromised position um so there's a lot more you got to think about as jeff knows he's shot um one or two deal with his uh his 303 so it's yeah, it, it's an added le- uh, level of challenge to hunting using these older mm-hmm. guns. Um, going as far as we are planning on getting progressively older guns and continuing to make a few little <laughs> series of videos. I think there's a talk about going back to a long tom, uh, which is like the sort of first Lee and Fields and Lee Metfords, and then, and then maybe like a Martini, um, Martini Henry, which is a... Mm, martini... A, <laughs> not what you're thinking oh. <laughs> um, it's a breech loader um, 577450 so a big lead bullet and then maybe then going back to maybe a Snyder and then maybe to a muzzle loader and um, doing several hunts over the next year or two um, we'll see but <laughs> it's just fun and what's each the one point right? standing on a tree with a rock and throwing it on it yeah a spear maybe uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> but no but like so by the time I get to like a muzzle loader right I'm really going to have to close that distance yeah down you, you can't do 200 meters you have to really pre-injure them 
Patreon. <laughs> I knew you'd say something stupid. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's your, it's your, it's what you do, mate. True, true, mate. true yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll so three out of three, Graham. Do you think it's gonna um, get more popular as time goes by, or is it? <sighs> you know, the, the funny thing is, in the last two years, it's become incredibly popular. It has <laughs> since the ARs got back. Oh yeah, true. <clears throat> um, so, but I guess the um, for those listening too, obviously we we did this. They let me shoot the deer, and it's power and anything. Um, they can offer you. They've even got the guns, guided hunt. Yeah. With these old guns, if you want to take your three or three, or your Mauser, or your black powder gun, uh, obviously you'll, you there's a few gongs there. You'll confirm that you can actually shoot. And, and, and accurately hit something and um, they can make it happen for you you can even shoot a big trophy buck like a really good trophy buck um, you can take you know whatever a K98 Mauser and they'll, they'll make it happen they're pretty good down there so um, browning heavy machine gun yeah you could I, I tell you what I've never seen like some of these herds of of fellow there you've been there Jeff haven't you a couple of times yeah so I've been a few many times. here and they're all because they they've got such a good bloodline down there. They're all beautiful, like um, light skinned, um, spotty. It's yeah, it's impressive. And the amount of stags I seen was, um, yeah, it's it's pretty impressive place. And, and I guess if I mean a lot of guys sort of sniff at um, at, at that non uh, non public land hunting, and that's fine. Each their own. But um, yeah. If, if you're an older is, guy or a new hunter, it's perfect, man. Exactly. That's it's it's the opportunity to to mm-hmm. get into it, especially for people who, like, I didn't grow up in a hunting family, um, and Cass did, but I mean, her her dad is in the states, so she didn't really get the opportunity to to hunt that much. So, um, so her first deer was taken at muddy waters, um, yeah, but not with a not with a Mauser or a three hundred three, but with a modern hunting rifle, but yeah. The, the idea being, you know, go with someone who knows a lot about um, deer behavior, shot placement, how to actually gut the thing, um, and pick up all those skills. So when you do want to go out and do it public land or however else you want to hunt, um, you've acquired a bit of a bit of knowledge in a, in a really safe and, and good way, and you get to take some meat home. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Agreed. No, uh, yeah, again, uh, uh, a lot of you in the long range community in North Island will know Hamish. He's um, come to several events and he's, he's pretty active. So, yeah, um, if it's something you're interested in, or you're going to take your old man or your, your wife or something, um, I would couldn't recommend them highly enough. And I believe, if need be, they can, like I said, provide um, firearms to a certain extent, etc., if you're licensed and all of that good stuff. Yeah. But other than that, um, I think that's wraps up my hunting trip. It was pretty. It was pretty easy. I'm not going to lie. Like, um, no, it sounds yeah. We froze to death, and you just said deer everywhere you looked. So it was raining a bit though. I did get. Oh, yeah. well, I had, I had good clothes on, <laughs> and I got a little muddy. It's pretty. Oh, well. Oh, well. Would have felt like World War One. You two. probably spent more time cleaning your gun than shooting it. Yeah, I did. Well, I only shot it once, didn't I? Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, well, this moves us on to our next uh, topic then, which is mini action, which isn't chasing women in miniskirts. It's uh, <coughs> talking about calibers for primarily the Howard mini action. So I'll do a bit of a quiz for you guys, um, test your knowledge. So I want you to tell me, well, I don't think this list is exhaustive, but it's the best I can find. Um, what calibers 
are available in the mini action. And I'm talking factory. As in for the Howa mini action? For the Howa mini action, yes. So right. Jeff should know this, he sells them. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll let Graham go first and I'll, I'll try and pick up any misses. Right. Okay, okay, okay. 223. Yeah. 1 and 8 twist, I might add. 762 for 39. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, um, people only buy them because I've still got ammo from their 8K. <laughs> and my mini 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've still got um, ammo floating around. 300 blackout. Yes. Uh, 450 Bushmaster. Yes. 65 Grendel. Yes. And next year, 6mm arc. But not yet. I okay. Right on. How'd I get on, Jeff? Jeff, any Um so I don't know if these are still in current production, but I know at some point they have oh, offered legend. 204 Ruger and 350 Legend. It's still offered. Both still offered. And you still miss anyone else? Any other last ooh, requests? Thir- uh, uh, 30 Carbine. No. 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 Triple two. Yes. 222 <laughs> yeah, Remington. Do they do triple two? Yes. And Man. Because, okay, when did the mini action come out? Oh, would have been about probably four years ago, five years ago. Give me a year. Uh, 2017 15 oh okay close so yeah after that I came out with the 222 222 uh, Remington version mm. so uh, don't think there's a 224 Valkyrie and there isn't a 6mm arc yet um, yeah we've got 350 Legend Bushmaster so people have converted them to um 6.8 SPC. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done builds of 6mm PPC. Yeah. Which I think the parent case is the 220 Russian. So the se- yeah, so the, same as the arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, <clears throat> and then um, 458 SOCOM, which I have no idea. I think it's just a big. Yeah, it's like a. It's got a, a like a Bushmaster. The, the rim's way smaller than that. Oh, it's rebated. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah. The straight wall cartridge, eh? Yeah. yeah. It's a big beefy thing. And people have actually done 6mm arc conversions as well. So anyway, it's certainly... Uh, I've got eight, pretty much, that I know of different calibers that come in the mini-action. So what is it? It's basically um, a very short action. So about an inch shorter than what you'd call a standard action. So the bolt throw is very short. Am I right? I'm just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, therefore, it's um, quicker to cycle, all that sort of thing. And you have less chance of, um, what's it, short throws, you know, where you basically don't pick up the next round. So, and to be fair, I've not shot a lot. I've shot Graham had one on a, um, that was a 6.5 Grendel, wasn't it, Graham? Correct, yes. And that was in a, um, oh, those cheap chassis, the um, Oryx. Oryx, yeah. So, and then since then, Jeff's um, very excellently sold me this um, 6.5 Grendel with a Boyd stop for Alex and that yes yeah, so after shooting that I can see why people do like the um, the action that you know the mini action itself so I'm trying to um, question out there for you guys is there anyone else who does an action that short I mean there must yeah or is it really um, there are CZ or someone or I don't, I don't know yeah I, mean, yeah, I think do the, a little one is they? it the you 527 or something yeah yeah, yeah CZ do do something that's that's a, a smaller action um, <coughs> excuse me I'm so sure what, what, so what are the other what are the other advantages of these you know of mini action so it's um, 
it's obviously it makes a lighter rifle mm-hmm. per se like from the get-go lighter bolt because um, I must say I've got Ruger American ranch rifles so I've got one in 300 blackout and one in 450 Bushmaster and they have a quite a heavy bolt pretty standard you know because no matter what one you get it's got the same bolt profile and um, kind of large round bolt sort of thing so I can see the difference in them I mean they they, they feed fine and work fine but um, to start to shooting this mini action 1500 that Alex has got I can see what yeah you know I can see some of the inherent advantages of it so so they've been at that for six years now so they've certainly um, got quite a following I think the 1500 is a as a a rifle is basically the third best selling bolt action in the states, mainly because everyone buys them hmm. just the barrel and action, don't they? So, yeah, one at a time, yeah. <coughs> so, quite a following. Um, all right. So, I guess one thing like people are going to point out, and yeah, it doesn't matter here anymore because they allow them as most of these cartridges were intended for use in AR 15s. Obviously, that doesn't really matter for us anymore. Yeah. Um, but feel free to point it out. People do. Mm. Um, but um, I've, I've, I've been shooting a few mini action cartridges for a few years now. And um, uh, a lot of people, some people get offended by it, especially like the, sort of, the older FUDs and stuff, but boomers. But, um, you know, why not just use a bigger cartridge, blah, 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 and all the normal crap. But, um, like like Mark was pointing out, nice small actions, and also most of these cartridges, uh, uh, excluding the, um, the the 450 Bushmaster and stuff, they're low recoil, and, and and several of them are quite high performance for their size, and so yeah, um, they can be quite fun to shoot longer distances. So what might be really easy with a 65 Creedmoor can still be a bit of a challenge with a Grendel. So yeah, um, it, it's good fun to sort of push these little cartridges. And there's a lot of interchangeability. So there's a lot in this you know like the, the magazine for the 2d3 and the 204 ruger and the triple two it's the same mag and i think even the 300 blackout is the same mag so you know if you're getting replacement mags or whatever you know the, the polymer ones and even with the parent case from the um the 220 russian you know the 7.60 by 39 that covers off your grendel your arc and um even the what's the other one Oh, if you get into the the six millimeter PPC, I think. Yeah, well. PPC. If you wanted to do conversion. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably one of the other um, great benefits of the um, of the mini action is that it comes factory with a detachable box mag. Yeah. Ten rounds if it's two two three. Yeah. Um, yes, people will point out rightly so that it's got an annoying mag release that can be bumped. Um, I highly recommend the VTP Victory Through Precision. Um, little magwell blocker type things yeah um yeah i'm gonna start getting a chunk of those that i'll sell with rifles because yeah why wouldn't you yeah 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 agree it's um i guess we could probably talk through uh the cartridges that are available here anyway more so the precision ones than the um 350 legend and stuff but we can always touch on if you want to but um so the, the first one uh is going to be what I think so is, is, is the two two three Remington, right? So yeah, this is one cartridge that doesn't defend people. People, everybody loves it. I've never met anyone who doesn't, unless it's being shot at you. It's pretty pretty wicked, right? And the beauty of the mini is it comes with a one and eight twist barrel too, I believe. And um, so yep. this is allowing you to um, to shoot, you know, up to sort of 
almost 80 grain projectiles so yeah you've actually got a, a a reasonably compact package that can stabilize the heavier two to three bullets and so you you can sort of be shooting out to 700 meters now i'm talking about shooting steel here not not game um and be accurately engaging targets out to these distances now of course wind is going to be a massive factor it's still a 223 um but i mean we've been doing it a bit albeit with a um the the short action rather than the mini action hammer um and it's it's really good fun um the 223 is a sort of training rifle uh, actually all three of us are doing it now um and and they cross over so well um into a cheap hunting gun so for you know shooting um medium-sized games the sort of pigs and goats and yeah um, fallow deer and i mean some people shoot reds that's up to them but i'd prefer something a bit bigger but um like one thing we have here in abundance is feral goats and i mean you've been you've been dealing to hundreds of them lately with the 223 haven't you mark yeah well that's why i was always i was looking at one and um moving on to the 7.62 by 39 so the russian caliber because I had a Mini 30, we had SKSs, so we had a truckload of Millsurp ammo floating around that we used for for basically nailing goats left, right, and centre, you know, because it was so cheap. At one point, I think it was about <coughs> five bucks, 50, 50 rounds equivalent, some of the ammo we were getting, so it was crazy cheap back in the day. So, But you ended up with so much of it floating around, I thought that that would be my go to as a gun just to burn through that ammo, would be getting one of these because they are pretty cheap. and um, and they're still considered a pretty high quality action. The trigger and everything um, is adjustable and that sort of thing, so they're pretty good. 204 Ruger, I haven't seen a lot of. Um, obviously, it wouldn't fit into the competition because of the velocity. <laughs> yeah. Um, It'd be a good little game round, though, for, for yeah. goats. So no, no, absolutely. Um, probably, yeah, I don't know. You want to more, go more varminter type rifle, maybe a longer, heavier barrel. don't know. Yeah. Um, that sort of lends itself to that, to blowing away small animals that are pesky. Um, obviously the 450 Bushmaster, which is, yeah, I don't know if they've sold a lot in New Zealand from what I've heard. They've, um, don't move off the shelves very quick. But mm, I do like I'll, it as an interesting cartridge, so. Yeah, we've got one here. It's not a bad, um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, 400 grain but it's, it's pretty, again, pretty interesting, so. Yeah, it, it's good for smacking things up close. Oh, you, you could hunt a red deer with one of those inside reasonable distances. I don't don't see it being an issue inside 100, 150 meters. But um, again, yeah, you want to reload for the 450, um, and it's it's limiting you to shorter range shooting. But again, if you want that big um, mm. big bore cartridge, um, that's going to be um, yeah. I mean, well, I mean the, that's the beauty of the pretty good for yeah upper upper North Island type bush hunting. Um, it'd be ideal. Yeah, and you can get us. You can get suppressors for them. Um, yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, I've not shot any deer with it, and I think yet um, it'll happen eventually. It's just no, a little pile yeah. of guns there. I think <laughs> but, the three, um, if anyone, yeah, <coughs> the three fifty legend offering and the four fifty Bushmaster ones, I think are sixteen and a half inch barrels anyway, pretty much uh, from what I remember. The three fifty legend, well, I think it's it's a straight wall two D three basically, so um, nine millimeter. And it basically fits in America where some states have straight wall cartridge laws around certain parts of the deer season, so um, which we don't have. So it'll be an interesting cartridge, but 
Yeah, I, I think I'd like to get a sample to play with at least. And, yeah. Um, oh. uh, there's this big issue in the internet with people having opinions on stuff and never actually having shot them. So <laughs> it's, it's it's well, that's okay. That's the internet with everything, you know. But um, yeah, I th- I don't see it. legend again. It doesn't for me. It doesn't cross over into having a, it's a, a new precision. caliber. I'm like a moth to the flame. Yeah, you do buy calibers that are going extinct before they're released, <laughs> maybe, don't you? <laughs> So but like we, you know, like three oh three. There's the the Queen's caliber. Mate. Oh, sorry. Um, so again, one one thing, one one of my favourites. Um, obviously, I love two to three, but the the Hell Mini and six five Grendels. I had one for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I regret selling it. Um, so I had I bought the Varmint models. So it's a little bit heavier barrel. Is it a twenty two inch barrel, Jeff? Twenty inch. Twenty, oh, I believe. Anyway. Yeah, and so I had that in the uh, the um, the Oryx chassis. Uh, which uh, having the RX chassis, you negate the issue of the magazine release because it runs its own one, and the mag's uh, nice and tidy out of the way. But that was good. I um, I was just pulling out my data on it before, so I was hand loading and I was loading it um, relatively hot. Um, I played around lots trying to get quite a, quite a good load for it. Yeah. But my um, uh, my my um, load I had with the one twenty three ELDM was supersonic to nine hundred and fifty meters. So right. with the one twenty three gram bullet, yeah. you know, I'm I'm not going into that transonic zone until just before a kilometer. So for practical shooting, say hunting out to three hundred meters, um, and then shooting steel out to seven, eight, nine hundred meters, this thing's um, it's still supersonic, right? And it's got the high, you know, it's obviously it's got a, a good BC that the six five bullet. Yeah, you know, so it's gonna it's gonna have a lot less wind drift than a two two three, even with a heavy like a heavy bullet two two three, it's still outperforming it. Um, yeah, I was, it's impressive, man. It's um, like people bag it and slag it off and go, why don't you use a creep more? Blah, 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 blah. But um, it gets the job done. Now, if you are going to compete like seriously, then take your 6.5 creep more. But if, if you're learning and a little bit less recall or it's for your, your wife or... Or something. It's it's a viable option for precision shooting. Um, yeah, well, especially in hunter class. I mean, I I don't see the Creedmoor having too much over it in the hunter class um, at those kind of distances. No, not at all. No, it'd be it'd be exceptional for hunter class, even less recoil, right? And so you can mm. <clears throat> you could run a theoretically lighter gun, right? Because you want to stay inside the hunter class rules and makes it easier for positional shooting, um, especially unsupported having the lightweight gun. And then you're not um, shooting that, that heavy 140 gram projectile at um, you know, 27. You're shooting a 123 at you know 26 or something. So mm. um, yeah, no, it, it, as a hunter class gun. And then you can still go and shoot a red deer with it. You can shoot a fellow. You can shoot whatever you want inside reasonable distances, practical distances. Um, and it's gonna um, it's gonna perform just fine. So and for the current available cartridges. Uh, as we don't have an arc yet, that would be my pick for um, my pick of the bunch, really. Yeah, um, no, I agree. But the offside being the cost of ammunition compared to two, two, three. Yeah, uh, is, is the, the downside of it. Um, yeah, three hundred blackouts an option. Um, I do you know what I still haven't played with one. I'll be meaning. I, mean, I, I, I didn't. I gave. Did I give you a bunch of ammo for one? Yeah. We've been planning for to shoot 
and do some testing with it for a long time, haven't we? It's yeah. not a Mahawa Mini, it's a Ruger, but I've yeah. never really shot 300 Blackout ever. No, but it's similar, it's certainly not right out there, but it's certainly got enough oomph out to 300 metres, 400 metres. Um, with the right, and yeah, it basically can shoot 190, 208 grain subsonics really well. I do mm -hmm. like it for that. It's quite, yeah. real quiet, so... Um, if you weren't worried about the subsonic ammo, would you um, would you pick it over your seven six two by thirty nine? No. Why not? Uh, well, I'm thinking just cheap ammo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the only trouble with that being is that the days of cheap seven six two by thirty nine are fast. Yeah, yeah they're waning. It? Yeah, that's true too. Um, there's no more actually there's yeah no more I was and, and 300 blackouts not that dear mm. either as a, as a round to, to yeah from what I yeah. and if you were to reload um, 762 is a 311 bullet whereas the um, the blackouts are 308 bullet yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I believe I've been told by my gun shop and I haven't confirmed it that the Rugers have a forcing cone in them and they're a 308 bore for the 76239 Apparently they I've, have it. I've heard that before as well. Yeah. So you can handload for the Rugers with a, the better modern, you know, ELDs or whatever, and, and three hundred eight, <clears throat> and you're not limited to just um, three hundred three projectiles. So. But if, it's, if I was going to pick something based on cost, I'd probably go two two three. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I keep drifting back to. So. Or two 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 Remington. A triple two. <laughs> triple two. It's, it's yeah. This is what I grew up shooting, so it's it's, it's yeah. unfortunately it's just been made redundant by two two three. I know it had a world it, record for years as a um, bench rest cartridge, so it was it's pretty yeah. It's it's considered slightly more accurate than two two three, but it just suffers maybe a couple of hundred feet per second less speed. So yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't go out and buy a triple. The only way I'd end up with a triple two now is if it was like an, an old um, no, Bruno or yeah. something. My yeah. dad's got a Remington. Uh, was it Model 7 I think from the 70s yeah yeah but it's had a lot of ammo through it though it's a bit she's a bit uh, <coughs> spray painterish now in terms of accuracy so yeah it'll do that um, actually I was shooting one the other day yeah. it wasn't a Howard Mini it was a um, it was an old CZ or Bruno or something just started helping my neighbour sort of yeah anyway after shooting this one again I've seen yeah it's certainly a great be great kids cartridge in terms of teaching because you go from 22s to that the mm. mini action bolt and everything there's not a lot of difference between 22 and that to a degree so it's yeah it's not there's a bit less stuff to go wrong where you're just getting used to to using the firearm interface sort of thing so i, I find that a, i'd certainly have made visitors and rallies coming i'd probably use that gun as a gun to for them to shoot mostly yeah. also because the recoil is not frightening so that's a probably a good description of the mini action is essentially between a twenty two and a standard action yeah. and kind of fit and feel and what have you. <coughs> yeah. yeah, you're not wrong. Um, what okay from all of uh, I, I think I know the answer for this, but what would you choose like if you were gonna go buy a mini action tomorrow for a hunter class comps or something and, and basic hunting and pe call it pest control so inside a couple hundred metres goats and pigs or whatever what what uh, what cartridge would shoot and I'm going to throw in here 224 Valkyrie yes. and I'm going to throw in here 6mm arc even though we've not had our hands on one no, and no. 
there is no Valkyrie coming out in the mini action. I've had that confirmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. Because because Federal just absolutely shat the bed releasing that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we like two two four Valkyrie. It is excellent, but unfortunately, um, the rest of the world all they remember is um, not working. So their ammo sucked. God, like gold medal match match ammo, hundred dollars a box, and it's shooting like three and a half inch groups at hundred meters. Yeah, anyway, um, sort of slightly off. Okay, so I, th- I think the answer would be, you know, six fives old hat. You'd have to go to six millimeter. So I'd definitely look at one of those firing a hundred eight grain bullet at what twenty eight hundred probably. <coughs> so all things all things considered, you'd go with the six mil. Yeah. Oh yeah, not what I thought you'd choose. What about you, Jeff? Well, my next question is, what chassis and stuff can you put on them? Anything, uh, anything you like. No? You can do the Oryx, the um, the, East, the Southern Cross Small Arms. Yeah. Think, you can do all sorts of Boyd's options. Yeah. MDT? Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't no. think there's an MDT for the Mini, um, but I would go Oryx, um, personally, yeah, if, if I was just yeah. setting up a, a general comp gun yeah. kind of double duty. Quick question for you, Mark. If if six millimeter arc didn't exist, would you consider six millimeter PPC? Uh, yes, I would. But you never were, now we're playing in the realms of custom builds, and that's so that's kind of like no, because it doesn't exist uh, as yeah. a as a factory option. So mm. yeah. um, no, to be fair, I've only had two encounters with the the Grendel, and I do like it a lot. And I think for, it offers a pretty good balance between the two. Um, I think it's just got a bit more oomph to it. Be great as a an everyday carry type rifle for pigs, goats, deer around the farm sort of thing. So, mm. and um, and I'd be more comfortable using that as sort of a hunter class type rifle too, compared to a two v three. I don't know. It does. It's an underrated little cartridge, but it's my my opinion. But. Yeah, I'd agree with you. If I was picking one gun to to do it all in a mini action cartridge, yeah, I'd go six five Grendel, twenty inch heavy barrel, yeah, um, in in whatever nice you know chassis or stock setup that suits you. Um, if I was super concerned about like if I wasn't a reloader, I'd go two two three. If I reload my own ammo, I'd go six five Grendel. Right. So I'm back to two three then. Yeah, well, I think I think all, all things considered, I'd um because my reloading and I, sucks. <laughs> I all things considered, and, and I having having used both of them extensively, I'd I'd probably stick with the two two three now. Purely, just for availability, and let's okay, we'll pretend this this gosh darn shortage isn't still happening of componentry, but um. I don't know that well. They got one thing. They've got ten round mags, which is really, really, really handy. Yeah. Although mm. I had a couple of fives for mine, so it wasn't the end of the world. Practice your mag, mag changes, but um, <clears throat> how many coming goes? Yeah, yeah, it just falls out. <laughs> you don't want to. Um, but the how many of you know the two to three? If you've got say th- two or three or four ten round mags, yeah, um, you've got quite an effective little goat culling firearm. Um, being able to change between like the cheap fifty-five grain ammo and then you know to the the more match orientated, say seventy-seven grain ammo with just a quick re-zero, uh, not really an option with the Grendel. Um, 
but that Grendel's carrying a little significantly more energy uh, further. Yeah, which is what I've been doing with my 2D3, Graham, is I run a mag of cheap stuff for short range, because I don't really care about the zero. Yeah, and then if I'm shooting longer out, I'll use the um, 75 grain ammo, so... Yeah, which that's the way. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, yeah, but yeah, I think... I think that that's the side of it. But if if it was just a match gun, I would. Oh, oh, would I go? Yeah, I'd go Grendel just for wind, just for mm-hmm. wind. Like, um, shit, you know, it's that they, they you can't beat that six five projectile and um and the wind compared to a two two four projectile. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. I, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Probably. I don't, I don't bloody know, but it's either one's going to be a good option. Well, my my test shoot at the winter winter shoot was pretty good with the two D three gram. So. It was very good with the two D three. Lucky it didn't count. <laughs> um, doesn't yeah, mind. It doesn't my mind in my mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, I think the t- now we've been speaking of it. We've been ticking away in the background. We still haven't got anything uh, locked in properly, but yeah, we want to do if we can make it work. Um, schedule wise with farms and other competitions and uh, my wife's birthday a um a two two three only competition as I alluded to earlier. Six five Grendel <laughs> Slash six five Grendel? No, okay. Slash six five Grendel. No, so um well, don't worry people will ask, but it's um the idea being that first of all, uh it's gonna be more challenging. So let's say it only goes out to five hundred metres. Yeah. Wind's going to make it hard for everybody. Hopefully, we have some, and um, but also cheaper to shoot, right? Even if you're buying like nice reloading components, they're still it's still you know half the powder, half the cost of the projectile for the most part. Um, yeah. Brass is abundant, or you can just go and buy. My factory match ammo is twenty eight bucks a box, I think. So yes, it's, it's fine, and oh, and um, the best kept secret, eh? PPU match. It's it's pretty good stuff. Mm. Um, uh, or to be honest, if it's a match only at 400, 500 meters, you, you shoot 55 grain bloody soft point ammo, and it'll, it'll just just get there before it goes sort of um, transonic. So um, just have another you know, round count. <laughs> yeah, but if say if it's 100 rounds and you're shooting 55 grain ammo, yeah, uh, that's that's like less than 100 dollars for your ammo for the day. Whereas 100 rounds of 65 Creed at factory at factory ammo cost is probably like a mm. billion dollars. <laughs> And or like even reloading, you're still looking around three bucks around. So um, that, that's the idea, and, and it should be quite challenging and fun. Um, and I will see whether people want to come to it. I won't run a big full size match; it'll, it'll be limited in numbers compared. But um, so what would you run, Jeff? In the two to three match, yeah. <laughs> I might go to two to three. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know, but more, a bit more detail. Yes, okay, fair enough. Right. So, what's the, what's the gun what you're putting mean, together? What, what sort of, what sort of yeah. um, pills would you be firing out there? You know, two to three, um, obviously. But. Yeah, two to three. So, I've stocked up on some 77 grain Lapua oh, Cenas. Right. Yeah, that was a score. Um, still got a billion pieces of brass uh, from back in the day. God, I can't believe it. Yeah, uh, all I need to do is. Uh, turn up decide what I'm going to do with this rail or, or XTR rings um, and then suppressor or break I think we're going to go suppressor nice good choice and 2 3 is good yep. yeah you don't, you don't need I, the recoil reduction like you do on the big gun so. no I, I figure I'm going to I'm going to thief um, 
the suppressor of Cassie's comp gun because I don't think we'll ever be in a situation where we're running both of those guns at the same time. Because um, then, if she was running her six five, I'd be running my six five. Um, What's the thread? Um, half twenty eight. Oh yeah. Is it half twenty eight or five s twenty? Oh shit. That's no, small. Damn it! Okay. Hey, hey, you've got a you've got a muzzle brake that'll work. Yeah, I do actually. I've got a muzzle brake that'll work. Okay, I'm I'm a big old muzzle brake then. I've got options, so if you need something, I think I've got either like six hundred. He's got like six hundred suppressors. (laughs) That's all right. I've had this muzzle brake sitting here since um, well, since since the dark days that are behind us. Uh, You've been trying. I've heard you try to give it away about eight times. (laughs) You know, I want this really nice muzzle brake. Um, okay, yeah, that'd be quite cool. And then, what are you putting the Diamondback Tactical on a day scope? Yeah, I've got a Diamondback Tactical that I took off Cass's 22. Um, so it's the Howard Short Action. Um, we'll hopefully have an MDT rail on it, sitting in a Boyd's Provarm in stock. Um, Atlas Work, Atlas Works, bottom metal, and uh, MDT um, mags and Skypod. Nice. That's going to be a deadly little setup, actually. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. So I think we'll see whether, like, we'll, we'll, we'll run this with the idea of it being a one-off, and then if it's popular and people want to do it again, the law allows us to in the future. Um, you never know, it could become an annual thing, maybe, who knows. Um, at least Mark tires of us and kicks us off his farm. But um, I'll have I my don't un- see that happening for at least a year or two. I'll have my underground, underground range built by then. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I haven't really decided whether we're gonna. I'm almost tempted to go full on PRS style with this shoot, or because we do so much field stuff here in the Naki. Um, so I guess it's an opportunity to try something different. Yeah, if you're gonna um, do a smaller shoot and whatever. Yeah, I assume exactly. bar- barricade stuff, none of these natural twisty things. Yeah, like no trees, no, um, and like shooting sort of yeah less compromised ground but like say yeah more barricades two um, foot two foot culvert pipes yes we have the culvert pipes now thank you to the New Plymouth, the Taranaki Regional Council it's a long story um we just got to move the things around the farm somehow yeah these are ancient culvert pipes so about two feet long and about yeah. two feet high so they basically form a perfect little round you can basically stack them on top of each other like a triangle or whatever Awesome yeah. oh, so, so a, a tire stacker stage. Yeah, well, well if, if you've got... <clears throat> well, maybe if you're the rock, but yeah. So. Um, yeah, so... Um, and I've also got, like, a cool um, a kids' climbing frame thingy, which will work quite well, and we can do a few things like that. Um, we've got a few barricades we can um, yep. move around. And I'm maybe, hey, we might even have more than one prone stage just to um, keep people happy. Um, oh, I can yeah, use my bipod. You can use your fuck you can. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. What a name. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's in the works um, for the for the two or three stuff anyway, for those who are interested. We, yep. There seems to be quite a lot of interest actually. Um, and what the hopefully the idea being that it's sort of before Tarata, uh, hopefully, and um, maybe and again so it's a bit of a warm up um, before we head into the sort of major serious matches where you sort of really want to be coming in ready to go. Um, yeah. just turning up it's <coughs> turning okay. up like most people um, yeah but other than that that's I think that's the most about the mini action yeah no, that's a, it's a good overview thanks I'm to... also going to do and I've got a slightly more well planned than this other event 
we're talking about a 22 shoot probably in september maybe um maybe and that'll be it's a, but this is going to be a field 22 so when's the next Tokoro Tokoro it'll be December-ish maybe September so I've got to work out so this will either be the end of August or September I've got to work out when Tokoro is I'll talk to Simon no doubt he'll message me after listening to this but um, (laughs) the idea being again I don't I'm I'm not interested in it oh someone's pushing something no 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 Graham's muted himself I think it's uh, his vibrator must have fully charged. <laughs> oh, he's still muted. <clears throat> anyway, we're up to well, this is quite a lengthy episode there, lads. So I think um, we have to pull up stumps there. Graham's yeah. disappeared. It's like a, a full Auckland commute for me. Yeah. Can Can you guys hear all that interference in my yeah, microphone? Yeah, it's back on again. Yeah. All right. Well, over and, out, over and out for everyone, <laughs> and we'll see you later. Jeff, thanks for coming on. And, uh, Thanks for having me. We'll see you again soon, and we'll have you on again to talk all things power and mini actions and guns and racks. Like that. Sounds good. Righto. Cheers. All right. Cheers, mate. Take Bye. care.